It's about the tools we use. It's about the stories we tell. It's about how we change. It's evolution, baby. All right, and welcome back to Do the Evolution, a podcast about all things filmmaking, technology, and transformation. I'm your host, Jason Lang, and finally back in the saddle after an incredibly sporadic 2017. The first year of the podcast got off to a good start and then pretty much dropped it in the second half, except for a couple fun interviews. Well, I'm back, and I'm back to talk about something I think is on a lot of people's minds right now. And as this episode is entitled, it's called, If You Care About Consciousness, You Should Care About Crypto. Boom. So a lot of you probably have heard of crypto. Some of you maybe have not, but you're probably going to be hearing about it soon. If not, crypto is short for cryptocurrencies, which is really just another fancy way of saying digital currencies that use complex cryptography to keep them trustworthy. And the granddaddy of all cryptocurrencies is Bitcoin, which at this point, I think probably everybody's at least heard about. Um, Bitcoin started as a concept in white paper back in 2008 or nine. I think it, it started getting passed around some Usenets by a guy named Satoshi Nakamura. And the fascinating thing about Bitcoin is no one knows who's, who that is. He published this thing. People started using it. And he owns a whole bunch of them and disappeared. Could also be a she. We have no idea. Could be a collective of people. We have no idea. Fascinating story in its own right. But what does consciousness have to do with crypto and why should you be paying attention? Well, let me tell you a little bit about my crypto story and why I've become fascinated with it in the last years. I had heard about it when I was first living in Boulder, Colorado which I left in early 2010. And by that point, it had entered my consciousness, meaning I had heard the word Bitcoin and I'd heard something about the fact that you could mine it, meaning you could turn on your computer, your computer could crunch the algorithm and it would spit out Bitcoins. Now, foolishly, I did not do any of that back then because back in those days, you could probably have run your computer for a couple days or weeks and had a couple hundred Bitcoins, which would be worth considerable amount of money right now. However, no one knew, right? It was a gamble back then. Most of the people that were early adopters were just deeply, uh, were deep believers in the philosophy of the coin, which we'll get a little bit into later. But so I heard about it and then kind of forgot about it after I moved to Los Angeles for a couple of years. I think it was around 2013. It started to come back into my consciousness and it started to come back into my consciousness and a lot of people's because it started to climb in value that simple. And at that time, it was pretty much just Bitcoin and a couple other smaller alt coins had started. And I started investing a bit. Didn't have a lot of disposable income, but I had some debt at the time. And I thought, wow, hey, this could be a cool way to maybe put a little money in, get some returns, pay off some debt. I did that, put a little money in and unfortunately got pretty impatient and didn't do the one thing that's probably the best advice for all cryptocurrency trading, which is just hold, hodl, as they call it. And there was a big crash. I think in maybe 2014, it dipped down maybe 50 to 60% below what I had bought in at, 
which when I didn't have much disposable income at the time was a big deal. And after maybe six or eight months, it kind of came back to the point where I got my money back, meaning I didn't lose any money and I was able to cash it out. But it really just hovered there for pretty much all of 2016. And it wasn't until early 2017 that it really started to bounce back and make a killing. So it was around May of 2017, early May, that I saw a lot of people posting about it again and dove back in to see, hey, what's going on with Bitcoin? How much is it worth right now? I tracked now and again. And that was when I just kind of got immersed in the exploding world of cryptocurrencies. At that time, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum were both available on Coinbase, which is probably the easiest way to start trading cryptocurrency in the US, even though some people have some significant issues with them. And Litecoin was just being added um, to that biggest exchange. Anyway, so I started investing in May of last year, and that's when things just went crazy, mainly because Ethereum, which is a competitor to Bitcoin, allows for programming in its cryptocurrency, meaning you can actually code contracts right into the currency itself. Now, that might sound not too fancy, but it's actually pretty amazing in a way that Bitcoin can't do. Bitcoin's kind of dumb in that sense. You just have two addresses, you send from one to the other. It's about all it does. Ethereum, however, allows these smart contracts to actually be like code base, basically. So you can set up all kinds of fancy different stuff. And there's people that are using that for all kinds of different things from selling digital music to Kickstarter type things. And of course, the big granddaddy that got really the whole movement going, I'd say, last uh, late last spring and into the summer, which was ICOs or initial coin offerings. This was the kind of mad dash mid last year when companies that wanted to oftentimes wanted to either build applications on top of cryptocurrency or wanted to launch their own cryptocurrencies started using this idea of an ICO, which instead of an IPO, which would be the traditional way a company would gain a lot of money, an initial public offering, they would do an initial coin offering, meaning, hey, if you send me X amount of Bitcoin or Ethereum, you're going to get X amount of our tokens back, which can be traded for value at a later date, or in the best cases, actually are going to be utility tokens, meaning they're going to be um, kind of a digital currency for the very network that the person is building or the company is building. So I started investing back then, invested not a ton, but a little bit to through last August and then was kind of watching. And the market has just had some crazy smash through days and total failure days ever since then. And I put a little bit more in this fall. Um, and at this point I'm done trading cash for it for the time being and just holding and watching it grow now. So what does that have to do with consciousness? Well, part of what got me fascinated and I mean, fascinated by this was when I started looking into it last May and to this day, there are many coins and trading days in which people can see returns from anywhere from 2% to, I kid you not. 200, 300% returns on investments, 200 to 300% returns on investments. Just insane. 
totally insane. And the other crazy thing about that is unlike our traditional financial systems, particularly last year, it is starting to change a little bit, but particularly last year when this craze was going on, it's all totally unregulated, meaning there's no minimum buy-ins. So suddenly this market, which for a lot of people in the stock market isn't necessarily accessible, stocks go on sale and they just skyrocket in price. There might be a split at some point, but for a lot of people, it's just inaccessible. However, the thing with crypto is there's no minimum buy-in and some of these coins go for pennies on the dollar, meaning you could invest a hundred bucks and get a 200% return on that. Pretty insane, pretty incredible. And so I was just playing around with chump change. We're talking small amounts of money here. But the thing that started to really kind of draw my attention was there are people that are not playing with chump change in this space. There are a lot of people who have made a lot of money. And there are also a lot of people who are about to make a lot of money. Now, do I care just about money in itself? No, but that's where the consciousness part comes in and for a lot of reasons. So, you know, last year was the year of our election. Um, or the year after our election, but our first year after an election, which was all about wealth inequality. You know, that was a huge theme of Bernie Sanders and something that was talked about constantly. Well, most of the people that we talk about in terms of the 1% here in the United States and in the world built their wealth through markets that are already quite well established, be it the stock market, um, the tech craze of Web 2.0, oil, gas, old land, whatever it might be. Crypto is one of the first new markets since kind of the tech boom that is building a new class of one percenters. And that's where I think it is extremely important, important that if you care about consciousness and the future of the planet, you need to at least understand crypto and what's going on. And at the most, you should actually be investing. Yes, investing in crypto. Why? Well, right, we all want a little more financial freedom and stability for sure. But also from the integral point of view, so crypto is a new type of system, a system of systems, right? Our lower right quadrant, as we would say, in integral speak. And the way that works is systems tend to work their way around the quadrants, meaning a system like a market is going to influence our culture, our behavior. And our culture and our behavior impacts how we behave, our interior self, and our development. So crypto is a two-way value influence that is happening at a really critical point in our world right now. On the one hand, we have it potentially going to unleash a whole different type of global economy that people have fantasized about for a long time, but this might very well be the mechanism by which it's fully introduced. The ability to send money to anyone else on the planet instantly, cheaply, and without relying <clears throat> on big banks or third parties who will skim large transaction fees. 
right? That's the big thing, an exciting thing for a lot of people in crypto is this idea of a decentralized monetary system, a decentralized marketplace. Decentralized meaning right now we have these giant things called banks and we pay them all the time. Every time we use a credit card, we often pay them just to have accounts, pay them fees and dues and all kinds of crazy things. And the main reason we pay them that is because they are our trusted intermediary. So they are the ones that are handling, hey, if I swipe my card here, who's going to get that money? Can I trust them to take it? Can I trust them to deliver my product, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What crypto means to do is totally really remove that middle man, meaning how could I send someone money across the world and guarantee they get it and know that that's a trustable solution and they won't charge me back in two or three weeks, right? One of the reasons credit card fees are so high if you're an entrepreneur is because chargebacks are a crazy problem. Crypto and Bitcoin and now There are thousands of coins at this point, altcoins as they're called. All these tackle these things, all of them tackle these things in slightly different ways, but what they're all trying to do is remove that middleman. And that middleman, not only do they skim fees off the top and tend to consolidate a lot of power, they're also a security flaw as we've seen like crazy in the last two or three years with the Equifax breach, with all kinds of big tech companies breaching our information that we don't even have control of. The idea with crypto is if there's no giant server with everyone's information on it, it's very hard to leak that. It's very hard to get that information out. So the way Bitcoin works, just as a quick crash course, is Bitcoin is basically just a ledger. It is, if you imagine a single sheet of paper that says, hey, Jason sent this person this many coins. That's it. That would be a new transaction. Now, it wouldn't actually say my name. It would just have a random, uh, randomly addre- generated address, like in terms of cryptography. It's this big, long, crazy string of numbers. So the thing about Bitcoin is that it's interesting in that it's both public and kind of anonymous. Now, people will argue it's not truly anonymous because you can always trace things back to an IP address. But it is anonymous in the sense that no one's name is actually stored in the ledger. But the entire ledger is public, meaning I can see where transfers have gone, what addresses send to where, and who's holding a lot of money, which actually tells you a lot of information and is why a lot of people are excited about using a system like this for global commerce, because we can actually see where money is flowing, even if we don't necessarily know who it is which brings up all kinds of interesting use cases. Now, you've probably heard of the blockchain. And the blockchain is basically just this idea that the this ledger in which we're writing down every single transaction that happens, every time there's a new transaction, we just write it on the end. That's it. Very simple. But here's the key. Every single person that mines Bitcoin, meaning they turn on their computer and they say, hey, I want to dedicate some of my CPU cycles to running Bitcoin, which initially their reward for doing that was actually you would get Bitcoins. And in the future, as all the Bitcoins are mined, you will actually just get a fee for processing the transactions. So that's the other big thing about this decentralization, right? 
We pay Visa because they have these giant server farms that are computing all of these transactions for every credit card across the world. Well, the way Bitcoin gets around that is it says, what if we just use the CPU power of every single person that wanted to kind of put it towards Bitcoin to run those transactions? And you get rewarded by getting Bitcoin, by getting fees. So the way they keep that clean is, and this is the kind of crazy, cool, slightly DNA-ish thing about blockchain, is how do, we, how do we know that the ledger is trustable? Well, the way it works is basically everyone in the world that mines Bitcoin gets a copy of the ledger. So right now, the Bitcoin ledger contains a history of every single transaction that has happened on the Bitcoin network. And every single time a new transaction happens, it gets added to that blockchain, so to speak, that ledger, and then it gets re-uploaded and distributed to everyone, every single other person on the Bitcoin network. So there's actually kind of no way for Bitcoin to crash unless basically every single computer in the world was destroyed instantaneously or turned off instantaneously. So it's pretty cool, right? It's pretty awesome. And it's going to change a lot, a lot, a lot of things in ways we can't even imagine right now, can't even expect right now. And that's where I think it's our duty as people that care about the transformation of consciousness, care about reducing suffering for all people and sentient beings across the planet to get involved in this. Why? One, because it's a chance to make some money. It's true. And I don't mean money just to get Lamborghinis. I mean money to actually have choice around where our attention and energy goes in this lifetime. Now, most of the people listening to this podcast, most of the people in my community are people that are wanting to dedicate themselves to some kind of service, some kind of larger vision, but oftentimes have the job they're having to do to pay the bills and the job they wish they could do full time if they were totally free. Cryptocurrency could be a way to bring some of that freedom to more and more people. Like I said, Right now, there's not really any minimum buy-in. That is changing, though, meaning this is an important time to get in. Things are changing fast. And the other crazy thing that I've been thinking about that I actually think this is really important is in the same way cryptocurrencies can influence our values and will influence the ways we connect with each other, do transactions with each other, and behave with each other, I think our values influence cryptography as well. So meaning most of these coins, most of these cryptocurrencies that are being birthed right now are in fact just being written by people, right? And while this is a very broadly painted stroke, most of the people creating cryptocurrencies tend to be men and they tend to be men that are really good at structural organization, coding, and math. And the thing about those three things, like a lot of coders across the planet, if you've ever worked with a web developer or a programmer, is what makes them great at that is oftentimes what gives them some challenges when it comes to other areas of life. Very simply, meaning interpersonal relations, um, maybe moral behavior, who knows, right? But what makes you great at coding cryptography does not necessarily make you a great human being. Now, that's true of pretty much every occupation across the world. But the crazy thing is right now, with these cryptos, there are kids between 18, 25, and all the way up 
but some pretty young kids who have created cryptocurrencies or are heavily involved in the development of cryptocurrencies that are currently the next generation's 1% at that age. Now, that's probably happened before, for sure. There's no doubt there's been rich young entrepreneurs in all stages of history. But what concerns me about it is the thing about crypto is, like I said, what makes you good at coding doesn't necessarily make you a good person at interacting in the world. And crypto, unlike a lot of other ways people maybe accumulated wealth in the past, is something that one or two or three people can code and program and launch without interacting with anyone, meaning they can be totally siloed in their own experience, only communicating across the internet. And that to me is crazy because, right, do we want those values influencing the way we're going to become in this next generation? That's really the question. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with those kids. Developmentally, they're totally at an appropriate place in their lives, but they're going to be wielding a tremendous amount of influence in this next phase of this planet. It's true. And if you want to feel any disheartment, go onto Twitter, or you've probably seen it on Facebook, Start following some of the crypto people, and you might be surprised. I know I constantly am by how juvenile much of the relating and interaction is. Yes, some of that is made exaggeratedly worse by the very nature of social networks, but also some of it is just because those people aren't yet developed enough in terms of their interior space. Now, I certainly hope they will be and continue to be, but there's nothing that guarantees that, which is why the other part of why I think it is crucially important for people that care about consciousness to get involved in this movement now, get involved in terms of accumulating some wealth so you have more freedom in the choices you make in the future, and get involved to start setting a direction and setting a baseline for the type of behavior and morals and just general quality human beingship and care about the future that the movement desperately needs. Now, we're starting to see it, but again, there's no guarantee. So get involved. Now, you might not want to go down the whole rabbit hole and start investing coins and whatnot, but at least educate yourself. At least start talking to people. But I actually do suggest you start going down that rabbit hole because this is potentially a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in terms of generating and transferring wealth to a new class of people. And like I said, most of my friends, therapists, coaches, artists, people that are really trying, nonprofit workers, people that are trying to change the world, right, and do so in ways of service and creativity and art, which those things tend not to generate lots of wealth. They tend not to generate lots of income back because they are service. Now, there's some people that crack that for sure, but I know tons of people and myself, I've struggled with this um, for sure. And other people in my network that are in tons of debt, be it from school, be it from taking low paying jobs, I just give a shit about, be it for all kinds of things. Now, this is an opportunity for those of us that have been doing that work to kind of get our slates even. And even if you did nothing else, if you made a few small wise cryptocurrency investments now, 
and there's all kinds of places to get help on this. You could, at the very least, just pay off your debt. How would that change your life to be able to do the thing you're already doing that you love or wish you could be doing and be debt-free? More choice, more freedom. So don't wait. Every day, the market is changing. And like a lot of other markets, it will start to normalize. It will, in some ways, get boring. And there will be some winners and losers. Right now, anyone, (laughs) people can basically just launch coins for no reason, even if they just have a white paper, even if they don't have a very good idea. The market is so new. There's a lot of junk and there's a lot of crap out there right now that is speculative. But this year, in fact, a lot of the things that launched last year are going to be coming to market, meaning they're no longer just speculative, but they're actual utilities that people can use. And the second they become utilities that people can use, a lot of the speculative ones, I think, will die off. And a lot of the other ones, will real, people will realize, wow, most of these are garbage or they don't work. And a few will stick around and we'll start to see some consolidations. Now, This is just a theory I have, but it seems to me that in most global markets, meaning markets that are all across the world and markets that have access to various different countries, it ends up being that there's three to five players. Might be a few more, might be a few less, but it just kind of feels like that way where at some point, particularly in a global economy, it just becomes sense to buy and merge companies together. So you These fewer small companies get bigger and bigger and bigger because then they have the network effect in terms of scale and how they can um, work effectively across the planet. And I could be totally wrong about this. I have some friends that argue otherwise, but I think that's going to happen in the crypto world. Right now, like I said, there's hundreds, hundreds of coins being launched, but I think it's going to come down to probably three or five that most people use. And my model for this right now, I mean, other than like this three to five idea in terms of really in the end, there's kind of three to five banks, three to five movie studios, three to five cell phone companies, three to five internet provider companies, three to five major networks, three to five kind of all over the place. Maybe there's a few more auto dealers, but even even then we're starting to see them consolidate and get purchased, three to five sodas, <laughs> whatever. Um, but the model I'm kind of using for this, definitely three to five uh, OSs as well, be it desktop or mobile, which I think cryptos could, you could actually think of them pretty soon as OSs, particularly Ethereum and some of the new ones are platforms, like I said, that you can run code upon. And any platform benefits from the network effect, meaning every single time someone is added, the value of that network goes up exponentially. A coin in which 10% of people use is not nearly as valuable as a coin with which you know 100% of people use because then you never have to ask yourself, can I send this person this thing? Imagine uh, telephones, right? If there were different phone networks and services and you didn't know if you called someone, if it would work, wouldn't be very valuable, right? So we consolidated it all to be on one network. Now, like I said, I think this is kind of going to be like apps, One of the last big 
you know, tech booms the last couple of years was when the iPhone first came out. And when the app store opened, there was a flood of new apps and they're still out there. But the truth is for the hundreds of thousands of apps on the various app stores, you know, it is very much something crazy like 10% of them are what 90% of people use and install. And most others never get touched more than once. And not only that, this thing, there's this term, I don't know if it came from the iPhone or if it came from the Mac, but this term called Sherlocking. And I think it might've come from the Mac, but basically there's this idea that you have your operating systems and then you have individual companies making codes for it or apps, let's say. And oftentimes the coolest, sexiest, most innovative new features would come out as apps because all they have to do is one thing. They don't actually have to be written out into these massive kind of code bases that are operating systems. Now that's great. And oftentimes a company will launch and make tons of money because they're doing this one thing really well. And then what happens? Turns out the next version of the OS just builds that into the system. Now, sometimes they just buy that company and use that technology. Like Apple just bought Shazam. So Shazam, which was an app, is now just going to be part of Apple's operating system. And that's called Sherlocking. That's called taking this specific use case feature and just merging it into the giant code base. And so no, it's no longer this separate thing. And sometimes competition lasts for a little while, but eventually most people just use the system default, which comes with the system. So I actually think that is going to happen in crypto, whether it's Ethereum, whether it's Cardano, whether it's one, any of these new platforms that are going to be smart and intelligent. At some point, I think some of them are going to get the network effect where enough coders are going to be working on them that they're going to be able to basically add features faster than anyone else. And anytime a new coin comes out with a cool feature or idea, they'll actually just be able to redo the code base of this major coin to add it, kind of nullifying the competition. So why does that matter? Like I said, we don't know how long this gold rush is going to last. Right now, yes, you can be getting returns of 2% to 200% easily. And if you know what you're doing, you'll probably get even more. But who knows how long that's going to last. This could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for this new market to emerge. It's pretty rare new markets that everyone has access to can emerge. We don't see it a whole lot in this lifetime. We just don't. There was maybe the real estate gold rush, so to speak, of the initial millenniums of human existence in which land became a thing you could own and we divided it up and we sold it. And a lot of that in the most desirable places in the world is kind of being settled, right? Like it, it's, it's a, it was a one-time thing. You know, I knew someone here in Santa Monica whose grandparents had bought a house in Santa Monica proper for $20,000 back in the 20s. Now it was expensive then, yes, but it's worth a lot more now. And it's pretty much always going to be worth that because people are always going to want to live in Santa Monica because it's got great weather and it's an amazing place. That gold rush is kind of over. Cheap land like that is never really going to come back until we colonize another planet. That's the truth. Then we had gold rushes of industry, which a lot of which have been sorted and settled. Probably the last big one was the iPhone. Like what's a device that every single person on the planet could use and wants? Phones. We're not really sure if there's ever going to be another device like that again in our lifetime. 
Because why? Well, the phone can do more and more things. If the we have one phone to rule them all, so what other device could be birthed that couldn't just be rolled into the feature set of a phone? Who knows? And we had it in the digital space in terms of online, particularly with Web 1.0 and Web 2.0. We have Amazon that's kind of handled online sales and manufacturing and distribution, and they're a behemoth. They're only growing. They have scale at their size, at their side. It's going to be really hard for anyone to compete with them. People are going to try. There's no doubt about it, but it's going to be really, really hard. Then we had search, which was Google. Now people use other things, but Google has just one. There's no guarantee that they're going to be the winner forever. But in terms of centralized search indexing, they won that game, period. We have Facebook, which won social networking. Again, they won't necessarily be around forever. But in terms of centralized person-to-person connections online, they won that game. Other social networks have kind of started up and tried. Even Snapchat was probably the most successful one recently. But it just can't penetrate when over a billion people use Facebook. At this point, there's no question for most people, unless they're kind of Luddites or have specific reactivity against being on Facebook, that someone's on Facebook. You can, you know, you meet someone at a party. It's like, oh, hey, let's be friends on Facebook. And they're probably there. It's a good way. It works. So crypto is possibly one of the last big markets like that in our lifetime. We have no idea what's going to emerge next. But this one is actually here. And it's actually now, and it it is making the next 1% of people that are going to be running this planet for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years, running it not only because they have access to the wealth, but running it because they're helping to design the very systems that our new governments and economies are going to be running on. That might sound like hyperbole. But crypto is here to stay. This idea of a blockchain and a public ledger, it's not going anywhere because it actually adds something to the evolutionary space that wasn't there before. It transcends and includes a lot of different systems and makes a lot of new things possible. And I'm not even an expert. I don't even understand this stuff nearly as well as some people, but I understand enough to know it's just not going away. People will talk about crashes and how it's crazy to invest in Bitcoin, but it's not going away. Bitcoin itself may go away, right? Oftentimes the first technology out the gate isn't the one that lands and actually penetrates in the mainstream fashion. MySpace gave way for Facebook. No doubt about that. And they were even Friendster, I think, was before that. Sometimes the first ones aren't the best ones. Usually the second, third, or fourth, or a little more down the line are because they get to launch with the benefit of learning everything that the first kind of forerunners didn't know. They can learn from those mistakes and build it into their system and hit a point of mass adoption, which all future benefits and changes can just be rolled in because you have critical mass. You have the network effect. Anyway, so yes, if you care about consciousness, if you care about the future of the planet, If you care about where we're going as a species and a people, you have to care about cryptocurrency. I know it sounds crazy, but you should at least become aware of it. And if you're really smart, you should take the time to learn to do some investments. You can get returns on your money. Even if you just drop $100 into a coin right now, write down your uh, private key, 
throw it on a piece of paper, put it wherever you put your little memorabilia, forget about it for two years, check it in two years with one of these big coins, and you're probably going to have made some money. Now, throw in $1,000, and that could be a substantial number in two years. That's not going to solve all your life's problems, no, but it could be a leverage point to get you out of debt, could be a leverage point to buy you a piece of property, who knows, which could give you freedom to have even more impact moving forward. That's the thing. People that care about consciousness need to have means to make impact. Now, I've worked in this space for a long time, and it breaks my heart. I'm not the only one, but sometimes some of my favorite teachers and the people I think that have messages and work that would be the most beneficial to the planet can barely get by, are barely surviving, because it doesn't always translate that this work leads to money. Just not how it is. Maybe that'll change, but right now, it's just not necessarily how it is. Being good at leading someone through transformation does not make you good at business. In the same way, it doesn't necessarily make you a crypto trader, but by putting a little attention and power on this, you could potentially give yourself much more freedom to really dive down and do the thing you're here, you're here to do in this lifetime. Cryptocurrency, if you care about consciousness, you should care about it. You probably already have a few friends that are pretty wise about it and could give you some tips. Start asking them. Don't be afraid. And as long as you don't invest anything you wouldn't be okay with losing, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. So start taking that Starbucks change. If nothing else, go to Coinbase, sign up, and have it automatically deposit $5 into each of the currencies from your bank account every week or every month. That is the most basic way to get into crypto. That's it. If you hold that for two or three years and do that, even if you just think of it as a savings account, even if you just think of it as a savings account, you don't actively trade, you don't actively get into new coins, you just do that. You set up the auto withdrawal on Coinbase and have it put in 5, 10, 15 bucks, whatever, into the big three coins they have there, Litecoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. I'd probably lean a little bit more on Ethereum myself, but these other two for sure. Just have them start putting money in there. You will get returns. There will be dips, and sometimes you might freak out and think everything's gone. But at this point, the market has always recovered and surged forth. And there's no theoretical limit to how high this can go. Again, these markets are already approaching global levels without global participation, meaning nowhere near everybody is in this game yet. Nowhere near. That's going to start to change and probably lift for the market even more. And the thing about cryptos, like I talked about, is it's a new value system emerging in our lower right quadrant, our systems. And because it's not so much based on tangible things, it's totally new. Cryptocurrencies are the one thing that we might just decide they have value and they have value because of that, right? That's kind of been the dream in markets and this is going to be it unleashed there is no theoretical top end to how high these things can go. We might want to think there are, but nothing like this has ever existed before. And one last thing before I sign off, 
why I get excited about this is, and again, why you should be influencing, why you should be part of this movement, why your consciousness needs to be involved in this process is this could change a lot of things. All it takes is one cohort of people. Now, I'm not doing it because this is just not where I'm putting my attention at the time. But if someone that's good at business, good at marketing, gets a few coders, decides to create a coin, maybe we call that coin UBI, Universal Basic Income. And that's a public blockchain that anyone that signs up for an address and creates address just automatically gets airdropped, meaning coins just appear in it. Since it's a public ledger, we can send out kind of spiders to make transactions automatically into all those addresses, meaning, huh, maybe once a month, anyone that signed up for a UBI address gets dropped 100 coins just automatically, just scientifically, no judgments about who they are, what they're using it for, anything like that. And maybe, just maybe, we decide those coins have value. We're like, hey, what if we just decided these coins had value? And what if we just decided these coins have value because everyone deserves a basic livable income? And when everyone has a basic livable income, meaning their survival needs are met, they're not stressed about food, shelter, or water, a crazy thing happens. They're able to focus on other things in their hierarchy of needs, whether it's Maslow or polyvagal theory. When you have your basic needs met, your attention can go to more complex and nuanced things. You can evolve more and faster. So, I don't know, maybe UBI is going to be the cryptocurrency that brings a universal basic income to this world. Could happen, could not happen. I know it won't happen unless people of consciousness that want that to happen get involved in the cryptocurrency world. So, if you care about consciousness, you should care about crypto. That's it for now. Signing off until next week. That was quite a rant. I hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Special shout out and thanks to Screaming Witness for the amazing intro and outro song. Check them out.